Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Amen. If you have your notes, go ahead and open them or take them out. If you have your Bibles, you get ready to flip it and turn to the pages. If you have your smart device and that's what you use to do both of those things, turn them on. And I think that this is uh, uh, the best place to do that, to learn, to grow, to encourage. It's, it's the, the, the house of God and, and through the preaching of the word. Amen. Um, I, if you're here and you're a guest or if you're from the house, from the family, I just want you to know that, that this is a moment, just like in worship, it's a moment that we don't take lightly. We believe in the Word of God. We believe in what the Word of God uh, teaches, and, and it's for us, and, and this is um, God's Word to His people. And I just feel like when God speaks, at least for me, I, I could just speak for myself, that when God speaks, I have a responsibility. Anyone know what the responsibility is? I need to have ears to hear. The Scripture says every time the Lord spoke, He, has, he, he says, He who has ears to hear let them hear i just pray for every single one of your ears today i pray that you would hear what the lord wants you to hear today amen that you would be blessed all right i want to just go ahead and and get into this i think uh, you're going to be blessed you're going to be encouraged i I know god's going to speak to us he spoke to me this week and and um, i just want to share some things with you but as i do this i want to take a moment today in our gathering and I want to slow down a little bit. So if you feel like I'm a little bit slower today, I want you to know that it's on purpose. I want to be a little bit slower today. Okay? Um, so the reason why I want to slow down a little bit is because these days, uh, weeks, months um, are, flying, are flying by way too quickly. How many of you can say amen to that? It's, I mean... We just had Christmas here, and we had these little white trees here, and we did all these Christmas, stuff. and it's like, how are we in the middle of the year almost already? Like, what's happening here? And uh, we say this often here. Sometimes I want you to know because you may feel that every time you come here, I need to deliver an amazing message. And I tell you, I still love you, but how dare you put that pressure on me? <laughs> I have to do this every week. You have to just come and listen every week. Amen. So, my responsibility is not to deliver an amazing message every week. My responsibility is just to deliver God's word and to do the best that we can. Just with that, I could get very passionate at times as I do that. But I want to slow down because as these weeks are flying and as we're every week sharing more material, new stuff, new vision and all these things that we're wrapping into this year, Um, I don't want to just so quickly fly into the next thing where we could just say, you know what, let's pause and let's go back and let's revisit where we we last left off. Amen? Because God spoke to us something there and maybe he's not done. And it's okay to slow down. All right. Just wanted to share that with you. So where are we at? This is where we're at. Um, two weeks ago, uh, we were remembering an import, uh, a very important moment uh, in Jesus' uh, time on earth during his time. And this was when he entered Jerusalem. If you remember that, he entered Jerusalem for the last time, uh, which would eventually lead to his crucifixion. And I hope you guys remember that. It was, it was that Sunday here where we were speaking on Palm Sunday. And that was our conversation on Palm Sunday. We discussed what it meant, right? Or we discussed this theme or this topic of going from death to life. How many of you were here for Palm Sunday and remember that? From death to life. Maybe you heard it. Maybe you saw it um, online later on. But from death to life is what we spoke about. And, and we looked at the text of John chapter 12 that day. So this is what I would like to do. Let's revisit John 12 for a moment. And, and let's take our, a moment here. And there's something here that you've seen before. But for the visual learner, I want to do it again um, for you. But in John chapter 12, verse 9, we, we looked into this two weeks ago. And in verse 9, it says that when all the people heard of Jesus' arrival 
It says they flocked to see him, but it wasn't just to see Jesus. And if you remember, I said this to caught my attention, that it wasn't just Jesus that they wanted to see. What caught my attention was that they also wanted to see Lazarus, who was there with Jesus, walking into Jerusalem on this Palm Sunday. And who is Lazarus? Verse 9 says it was the man that Jesus had raised from the dead. I am sure because a lot of us are from Hispanic backgrounds, and if you're not, I'm just going to speak to my Hispanic people for a moment. You guys like to know what the team is all about. And I know for a fact, because I know some of you guys personally, and I'm the same way. If the man Lazarus that was raised from the dead is walking to town, I want to go see it for myself, and I will have some questions. How was it? Because I'm filled with questions, man. I'm going to ask him, like, so did, like, did you go to heaven? Did you see the white light, the bright light? You know that bright light that people say they see when they die? Did you see it? Did it get closer to you? Did God speak? Like, I just want to know, Lazarus, you were dead for four days. So they wanted to see Lazarus as well. Verse 10, it says, then the leading priests, the religious leaders, right, they decided at this moment, right, they decided to kill Lazarus too. Here's Jesus, here's Lazarus, here's a, a group of individuals. They're parading themselves into Jerusalem, and here's the idea. Not only will we get Jesus and kill him, but we're also going to kill Lazarus. Verse 11, for it was because of him, meaning Lazarus, that many of the people who had deserted them, the religious leader, the temple and the teachings of the temple and the rituals and all that stuff, they deserted them and they began to believe in Jesus. They began to follow Jesus. Some of their very own disciples now have left to become followers and even disciples of Jesus. Verse 17, let's come down a little bit to verse 17 as it speaks again about Lazarus. It says, many in the crowd had seen, Laz had seen Jesus called Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. So the story of Lazarus and the story of Jesus resurrecting Lazarus was, was now, has now become very popular, as it would. We're living in a time, we're speaking of a time where, not, where everyone did not have a smartphone. So TikTok was not TikToking yet. Instagram was not going live yet. All, right, all these things were not being sent. If this happened today, if this happened today, instantly, immediately, your phone would start to ring. Alert, alert, alert. Man was just raised from the dead from... From, from a crazy rabbi from Nazareth. I mean, I mean you, your phone would start getting alerts immediately. So the way that the news is spreading during this day is through word of mouth. And people are not texting one another or the news media is not releasing this information into your devices. But verse 17, it says that many in the crowd who saw it began to tell others about it. Which for me is the, is the best way of getting any news around it's, let people just speak about it. Verse 18, and it says, That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Verse 19, Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Jesus, like we said two weeks ago, is a problem. He's a mighty problem. He's resurrecting dead people. People are leaving the religious leaders and following him. Lazarus is walking around and him walking around is a testimony that Christ is resurrecting the dead and could, could cause the dead to live again. That's a good spot for an amen. Because many claim to be Jesus, but none of them could make the dead rise again. And that put a stamp on his name. That as Lazarus was walking with him, I am who I say I am. <laughs> I make the dead live again. I resurrect those. Or better yet, I do the possible with the impossible. And Lazarus is testimony of that. And as Lazarus is walking with him, don't ever forget that. So the testimony... And the life of Lazarus is a unique one. I hope you could see that. It's a very unique one in Scripture. You don't know much about Lazarus. You know he, about his siblings. You know, actually, you know more about his sisters than you do about him. You know, you know more about Mary and Martha. But Lazarus, ah, 
Most likely he was, the way the story is and the way Jesus' relationship was with the family, it seems to be that Lazarus could have been like the little brother. But, but, but that's, that's what we know. We don't know too much, but we know this, that his testimony in life was unique. So listen to this again. Each day that Lazarus lives, each day that he lives gives evidence to Jesus' claim being Messiah, being Savior, being the Son of God. Each day that Lazarus lives gives evidence that Jesus holds power over death, over sickness and sin. Amen? Again, I repeat, each day that Lazarus lives gives evidence of Jesus' deity. Very important. Something that no other rabbi, teacher of the law, no other religious leader, no one can hold claim to. And that is, as I said, that only Jesus can raise from the dead. And not just stop there, ready? Not just raise from the dead, which you and I would probably agree, like, that's enough. To raise someone from the dead, that's enough. You heard me say this two weeks ago, I think. Where I've been to so many funerals, I can't even tell you how many I've been to. And every time I've done a funeral, I've looked at that casket like, gosh, should I try it? And it sounds funny. But I'm just, that's how I am. Like every part of me, because of the way I am, the way I'm made, wants to throw myself over that body and say, live. Like, but there's this, there's this thing in me, I'm like, if it doesn't happen, that's going to be a thing to watch. <laughs> and that's always held me back. It's always held me back. And then like, if, I shouldn't get too detailed because I know we've all been there. We all have people that we've lost and I'm not, I'm really not mocking this. I want you to know that whenever you invite me to do a funeral or whenever I have to do a funeral, I want you to know that this is the stuff that goes on in my mind. <laughs> I want to jump on that body like the prophet did and put my hands on their hands, my face on their face and just, I, if, if Elijah and them could do that, why, why not? I wonder if I have anyone here that's like, well, I feel the same way. Good, thank you. Of course. Betsy would, yes. Me and Betsy share that in common. But not only as he lives does it give evidence that Jesus can raise him from the dead. It doesn't stop there. It does not just end there. But it continues. Listen to this. He also gives life abundantly after the resurrection. Come on. I, I, I want to write this down in your notes. Each day that you live, each day that we live, what evidence of Jesus do we give off? <laughs> I mean, Lazarus was a threat because of this gospel that we preach every Sunday that I have to come and make sure I do a good job every Sunday for you. And get your attention. And just to do whatever I can. Okay, that gospel, it was so evident in the life of Lazarus. Just by him walking around that he became such a threat that they wanted to kill him. Can you imagine living in such a way that your very life becomes a threat? Because of the gospel, because of the name, and because of the evidence of Jesus that you give. Wow. So... The reason and why I wanted to slow it down some is to remind you, and you should write this, you should know this. I shared this a little bit in 830, in the nine, in, is it not, yeah, 9.30 huddle. The reason why I wanted to slow it down is this. It's to remind us that, that the greatest evidence that I believe that one has encountered or experienced, right? Resurrection in Christ. The greatest evidence is that individual now operates in abundant life. Did you hear what I just said? I did not say new life. I said abundant life. Abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, not to get my words out of the way and just hold Jesus' words 
to truth and let you decide whether you believe him or not. Jesus' own words, he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Hey, I'll give you a homework assignment. You decide who the thief is, right? <laughs> That's not what I want to talk about. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But look what he says next. But I came that they may have life, and there's not a period there. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I think when Jesus speaks, he uses every word carefully. Carefully and purposely. And I think that when Jesus says, I come to give life, and everyone heard him and said, yeah, he didn't end there. And he says, but it's life abundantly. And when he said that, he meant it. He said it purposely and carefully because he wanted to make a point. And he wants us to know what this abundant life looks like. That he didn't just come to give life, but that we would have life and that we would have it in abundance. So what is the word life here? The word life is, is zoe, right? where we, we could say it's the definition of it in the Greek. It's a fullness of life. That's what it is in the Greek. The, the, that word zoe, it's, it's to have fullness of life. Life in that, in, in that verse. That they may have life and have abundantly. The word life there means to have absolute fullness of life. Now, I've had conversation with people, which I'm sure you ha you've had, and they've said things like this. How many of you have said this? I'm, I'm just living my life to the fullest. And you just look at them. Okay. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I'm living life to the fullest. I'm just living life to the fullest. You know someone that's living life to the fullest? That has said to you that they're living life to the fullest? Are you here? And are you living life to the fullest? Amen. I'm living life to the fullest. There it is, Zoe, that we're living life to the fullest. I come that I would bring life, life to the fullest, absolute fullness. But he, fullest, but he doesn't just end there. So, so, you know, I have this water jug. And that's what Jesus says, right? And it's a small one. Sorry, you couldn't see it here, but I'll take it. Oh, yeah. So, so Jesus being, I guess it makes sense, the bigger bottle, us being the smaller bottle. He, he says, I, I, I come to bring life and that you would have life. And, and we know what life means. Life is, all right, cool. Life is, I want to live life to the fullest. I want to live life till I'm full. And, and that's, that's what Jesus says, right? Life to the fullest. And I said, this is a good definition of what Zoe is. This is it. This is John 10, 10 when Jesus says, I've come to give life. It's right here. It's right here in my hands. And it's right here in front of your face. I, I, I've come uh, to... Give you life. That people would have life. And then we speak to individuals like, this is how I'm living. I'm living life uh, to this point, to the fullest. And, and amen. As we're living life to the fullest. But, but in Christ, it's not just to the fullest. Because Christ doesn't just end here and say, hey, live life to the fullest. Where the cup has its limit. If you look at this cup, you'll recognize it has its limit. It, it has its place where it needs to stop. Because if I continue to pour in this cup... Uh, there's going to be a place that the cup says to the water, stop, 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 because if you keep going, it's going to what? It's going to spill out. It's going to spill out. So the cup has an end. It's what we know as the brim. It's filled to the brim. It's filled to the top. It's, it's filled um, all the way to the place where it can't be filled no more. It has its limit. Watch this. This cup can only hold a certain amount of water. So it's holding as much as it can hold. I want every single one of you, as scripture calls you, I want you to understand that you are a vessel of God. This, scripture says that we're vessels. Every single one of us is like this cup. We are a vessel that the Lord has poured life into us. And here we are. And this cup today represents a life that is holding as much as it can hold. If this cup holds any more than what it could hold, you and I know what would be the result. The result would be it would start pouring out of the cup and the cup can't contain the stuff that's in it anymore. So the cup has its limit. How many of you can relate to this cup? And that's what Jesus is saying. 
I've come so that you can have life, right? And we say, we stop there for a moment, and we say, life is this. Life is to the fullest, and we can't say amen. I want to live my life to the fullest. Do you? Do we want to live life to the fullest? Because this is what it is, living life to the fullest. Living life to the fullest is where the cup has all that it can hold. There's this famous saying that I want to share it with you, and it's this. The famous saying is, never, do you guys know it? Never carry more than you can hold. You ever heard that saying before? Maybe someone's told you. Maybe you had coffee at Abuelita's house one time. And Abuelita told you, mijo, never hold more than you can carry. This cup cannot hold anymore. That's as much as it can carry. And there's a famous saying, never hold more than you can carry. That's it right there. But when you come to Christ, he doesn't call us to just hold what you can only carry. He doesn't call you to just live your life to the fullest. He doesn't call you to the place where your cup, where your cup has its limit as much as you can hold. Where the water's filled up. Because he says, I come to give life, but he doesn't end there. He says this, but life abundantly is what you should have. The word abundantly continues from the word of life. And I want you to know what the word abundantly means in the Greek. Because it's very, very, very significant. The word abundantly, that they will have life and have it abundantly. It means this. It means super abundant in quantity. It means superior not just in quantity superabundant, but superior in quality. So there's something that changes in the quantity, and there's something that also changes in the quality of that. Of that in which the vessel holds, the quality of that changes. And not only that, but the amount of how much it holds, it changes the quantity. It's superabundant now, and not only superabundant, it is superior I want us all to understand this. What Jesus says when he talks about abundance in that, in its proper definition means it is life beyond measure. That's what that means in the Greek. Life beyond measure. Not just like, hey, come on, Nest. Live your life to the fullest. Cheers. No. That's not what he's saying. He says, do not live your life to the fullest because that's not what I'm here to do. It's not so that you can live your life to the fullest. It's so that you can live your life in super abundance. With that which you hold will be superior to all other things. It's greater than you could ever imagine. Not just to the fullest. It's not just enough so that the cup could hold and support it. I'm not calling you, the Lord says, just so that you could support and hold just enough. Come on, how many of us have experienced resurrection? But the question is, the Lord's like, really? Okay, well, I'm not calling you to just support what I'm giving you. <clears throat> but it's too much. It's, it's, it's too much for the cup to even contain it all in is what the Lord is saying. So what happens is, when the Lord speaks of life, it's different. He it says it's not just to the fullest. The life that I'm talking about, it pours out and it begins to pour out and minister. Watch this. It begins to fill, like for example, other cups around you. That, that's what the kind of life that I want to call you to. Beginning to fill them, beginning to fill them until they get to the place where they're abundantly or where they're overflowing and in their overflowing, they're beginning to fill other vessels. Are you with me? And that's what the Lord is telling us in Scripture. So, so, so here's some thought here. Here's some things for you. Are you ready? If you have experienced resurrection, give me an amen. Okay. I hope that you're not satisfied with just being filled. Hey, I'm experienced resurrection. Amen. How's life? I'm living it to the fullest. And... Come on, you know why? This is my prayer. Why? Because I struggle what? To overflow. 
It's almost like I tell the Lord, all right, let's paint the picture again. My wife's here in the back. She's like, that's why, I put the, that's why you have the tray. She's looking at me. She, I'm not nervous for any of you. I'm nervous because she's here. And she's going to tell me, I don't get it. You had, this is the, the right home. I don't get it. You have the tray, and you still... And you st- Let's go back to this. It's almost like this is what my life... I'm just going to speak for myself because I would hate to get any of you upset. So I'll just upset myself. Lord, fill me, fill me, Lord, fill me, Lord, I want more of you, Lord, I need to change, forgive me of my sins, Lord, I need all this, but Lord, that's enough, Lord, you need to stop right there. Don't ask any more of me. And we get satisfied with just walking around and living a life like this. Nothing's really pouring out. I mean, every once in a while you get tapped, and when you get tickled and tapped, boom, 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 some gifts come out of you. Thank you, brother. Every time, you know, someone asks you something, hey, can you share a word? Oh, yeah, I'll share a word now. And boom, boom, you pour and you bless the family a little bit. But you need to be like poked at. You need to be tugged at because I can't do anything unless I'm being called to. I've had someone that's told me the reason why I've never shared anything is because you have never asked me to share. And I said, I never knew that I paid the role of the Holy Spirit to give you access to come and share the word of God. I don't poke at you to share. You're called to always be sharing. But this is how most of us live. It's just like, oh, okay, whatever, whatever. I'm just waiting for you to call on me and then, oh, oh. But I'm satisfied with this. And every once in a blue moon, it will come out of me. But other than that, I'm living life to the fullest. Cheers. So I ask again, if you've experienced resurrection, I hope you're not satisfied with just being filled The purpose of your resurrection, the purpose of your salvation, the purpose of your forgiveness is not just to live content with a cup that, hey, at least, at least it's filled to the top. That's not the purpose. The purpose of all this is so different. The purpose so that you can be filled by the Lord is abundant, have life abundant. It's to live It's to live content because you can't contain the life that is in you. It's like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. No, no, no. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so content because I'm not just being filled by the Lord, but I'm overflowing. My my life is constantly pouring out the goodness of the Lord. Everything about me is dripping always. There's a difference between this kind of person and the one that's always pouring out. It's different in the way they minister. It's different in the way they do life. You do life amongst people that are like this, and then you do life amongst people that are like this, and immediately you'll be rocked and you'll see the difference. Churches that are like this, churches that are like this. People that are like this, people that are like this flowing. Leadership that is like this, leadership that is like this. Marriages that are like this, marriages that are like this. Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Families that are like this, families that are like this. Like, we need to decide what is it if we've... Come on, on Sunday this house was packed. We have a great number today. Mind you, we kept all the chairs. Did you notice? They're almost all full. You know why we kept this? Because you need to start overflowing, and you're overflowing. It's going to what? Bless these chairs. Because you're going to start pouring into other people's lives. All right, but let's get... I don't want to do that today. I want to do this. So, so this is why we're overflowing Oh, I'm living content. I'm okay with just being, you know, living it to the fullest. No. It's to live content. Because you can't contain the life that is in you, that is flowing. It's too much that you can't even hold. It's, it's pouring out of you. You can't hold it by itself and on its own. It comes out of you. Listen, and as it's coming out of you, it impacts the world around you. And then, and then you begin to pour into other vessels and other vessels begin to be filled. And it's a, it's a process of discipleship, doing life with people. And people are getting filled and they're grateful for you. There are people, I'm 40 years old for any of those that didn't know that. But I can still remember People that when I was 16 were vital. Not that my life was transformed in 16, but that were vital in my life because they stood next to me and they allowed me just to receive some of the water that was dripping out of them. And I'm here because of some of those individuals still today. 
I have one individual when I was young, you've heard me say this, would pick me up every weekend for church and for youth group in his little red wagon. I forgot what we used to call it. And he would take me every day and every single Saturday for youth group and every single Sunday for church. He was talking to me about the things of God. And sometimes we were goofy and messing around. And other times we were talking about serious things in that car. We weren't having sit-downs and Bible studies and lay hands on me until I could speak in a tongue. It wasn't none of that. It was doing life together. And he was pouring into me. And that was transforming me with every single conversation. I was, I was receiving water. Little did that person know what it would do. It would begin to stir a calling in my life to say, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. When I became early in my 20s, early on in my 20s. But that call to, yes, Lord, send me. I'll go to the ends of the earth. Wherever you want me to serve you, Lord, I'll do it, Lord. If you call me, I'll do it. It started because there was one individual that said, hey, I'm overflowing. And in my overflowing, guess what? I'm going to start pouring into you. And I began to overflow. But it was him. He took time with me. And, and it, was, it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful moment. And I hope you've had that before. And if you don't, awesome. You're called to pioneer it. To start it with someone else. You can't sit here and say, well, no one's ever done that with me, so that means I can You're the first one of many then. God's calling you to it. By itself and it's on its own, it comes out of you and it impacts the world around you. I get it. No wonder why Paul gets into this discussion in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 with the church of Corinth. Can I share something with you? Let me give you an example of what's happening here. The church that Paul is going to write to now in Corinth, where we read 1 Corinthians, for example, which is the text that I'm talking about. I want to say something. That church he's writing to is immature. I'm not saying that God doesn't love them. I'm not saying that God is not moving in their midst. I'm just saying that they're an immature church. They're immature. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and you read through the chapter for the sake of time, there's your homework assignment. You have something to read throughout this week if you didn't know where to start. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you'll see that they cause divisions among themselves. And Paul tells them, I've given you solid food, but because of your actions and your character, I've seen that you've chosen to continue drinking milk. He tells them, you know, you're caught. Like, these are Paul's words. He tells the church of Corinth, look at this, imagine, you hear me say this every time we talk about Paul's letters. What a pastor he was. He's telling them, you're carnal. You're envious of each other. And you're all full of strife. I've been pastoring long enough where I can say, I, I know, Paul, what you're talking about. People full of strife with one another, people that are supposed to love each other, or, or can't even look at it. I mean, Paul, you're dead on with this church. And he's telling them all these things. And, and, and if you keep reading, you'll see some of the stuff that they're doing. They're fighting about leadership in 1 Corinthians 3. And he, Paul, tells them as he writes to them, who cares about what side you're on? You know what Paul tells them? He says, one plants and one waters. <laughs> the, both individuals are pouring out. Both individuals are overflowing. And they're just doing what God's called them to do. Each one is given something to do by God. The one who waters... and. Paul's very own words, the one who waters and the one who plants is nothing. Can you imagine being the water of the church or the planter of the church? And the Paul writes to you and says, you're nothing. Because then he answers and he says this, but God, the one that is everything, God, he's the one. He's the one that gives the increase. He points it back to Get your focus and your eyes off each other. The reason why there's so much bickering, complaining, and fighting is because you've put your eyes on each other and you've taken it off God. Do me a favor. Put your eyes back on the Lord so that there's no more strife, envy, and problems among you and fighting over dumb things. Your eyes need to be focused on the kingdom and on the Lord because he's the one that brings the growth. The reason why families stop growing is because, and I'm talking about us, families, is because they begin to take their eyes off God and they begin to focus on dumb, little, immature things that when people come into that group, they say, I want nothing to do with that. I already have that home it's immature christianity and paul says you will never reach the world like that 
That's what you're dealing with. That's who you guys are as you're doing life together. God has to overflow. Abundance needs to happen. He brings the increase. Notice what increase means. He brings the abundance. He brings the overflow. Are you with me? You see this teaching? So what is he saying? He's made us alive. He's made us to live abundantly. That our waters would flow. That we would plant and water others knowing that it's God pouring out of us. He brings the increase. He'll do the miracle. Just live content. Content. That the life that is in you and you're walking around and you're, it's flowing from you. Living content in that place. And just understand, well, it's up to God. He does the growth. He does the miracle. It's not a calling to live in immaturity. Divisive. Immaturity. To live carnal or have envy or strife towards others or towards each other. Toward the very brethren that you are to share God's goodness with. The brethren that you are to have life with. Watch this. And have life abundance with. Sharing life abundance with. How can I have life in abundance with my brother when I'm looking at all the reasons why he's an idiot? It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. How can we do life abundance together from such an immature place? And that's what Paul writes to them. To live with a full cup. No, it's not that. It's to live with a cup that overflows. A cup that is in abundance. Listen to this. Does not waste time in immature things but is more concerned and taken control by the weightier matters, by the things that have eternal meaning, and by the things that are closer to God's heart. Immature people, if you listen closely, they're fighting about carnal and earthly things. Mature people, they're having discussions where there are very few in rooms that they're talking about heavenly things. You don't believe me? Just get into a church and get plugged in. It happens. It happens. It happens. Who are we? What are we doing? What are we doing it for? Who's it for? Come on. That's the difference between immature and mature. That's the difference between ah, I just live like this or I'm going to live overflowing. They're not just focused on life on earth and the problems that earthly, earthly people have and create. But they're driven by eternity and to please the Father's heart. That's an overflowing person. A person that has life abundance lives to please the Father and lives with eternity in sight. Many years ago, you heard me preach a message forward and up, forward and up, forward and up. And that's what a man and a woman who is living overflowing with abundance life, as Scripture says, that's what they're doing. I hope you're, you're getting this today. Because if you're not, I'll take it very slow and I'll preach it again next Sunday. <laughs> but get this. This is who we're called to be. This is it. Last week, we, we, were, we jumped into Easter and we spoke about the Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman had a reservation with Jesus without even knowing that it was set for her. And what Christ tells her transforms her forever. In John chapter 4 verse 10, Jesus answers and says to the woman, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me a drink. If you were here last Sunday, amen. If you're not, please listen to the message. It's on YouTube. Just all you got to do is type next church. It's there. It's Easter service. He says, you would, you, if you knew who I am who says, give me a drink, you would ask him, me, and he would have given you not just a drink, but look what Jesus tells this woman. His whole life is about giving water out. He says, I would have given you not just water. Not just water that satisfies. Not just water. I will give you living water. <laughs> Overflowing water. Water in. Water which is abundant and superior. That's the kind of water I would give. Living water. What does living water do? I mean, this is common sense. It gives life. Go, go, how many days is it? Are you scientists, scientific people? How many days can you go without water when you die? I thought it was less than seven. I thought it was three. Don't drink anything that has any water in it. Just be dry for, the, for three days. You're not going to make it. 
Water gives life. Water gives life. Imagine if water is not pouring out from us and there's people that are dry around you. You come and we tell the church, and it's a good thing to do. Hey, can we come and fast and pray for this person? Amen, we'll do that. But the question back to you is, how come your water is not overflowing to their parched land? They're dying because no water is hitting them. So they're on day two and three-fourths, and they're about to go. And he says to them, if you only knew that I would give you living water, it gives life. Living water is refreshment. Living water is nourishment to yourself and, yes, also to others. Not dead waters, not just waters. I mean, you remember the trip that we took? Some of you were there with us when we've gone to the Dead Sea before. And the Dead Sea is a great definition of dead water. I would call it dead water because in the Dead Sea, nothing lives. You can't even live there for long. They have a big clock in the Dead Sea when you go. And it, it, I think it's a 15 or 20 minute timer and it goes, and, and you have to look at it when you get in the water. You have to see time and know that in 15, 20 minutes, it, it rings every 15 to 20 minutes. And that means you need to get out of the Dead Sea because it's not going to be good for you if you continue to stay in those dead waters. It's going to cause you harm. In those waters in the Dead Sea, nothing lives. You know why nothing lives in those waters? It's filled with like 10 times over of the salt content. So it's ridiculous. That's why you just float. It doesn't matter how heavy you are, whatever it is, you float automatically. It's amazing. But the reason why is because it has no outlet. Everything that comes into the Dead Sea, guess what happens? It just... It just... It just stays in the Dead Sea. I'm living my life to the fullest, the Dead Sea says. <laughs> sure are, you're full of salt. You're full of salt. You're full of salt, that's all you are. Just, I'm living it to the fullest. And the Dead Sea is just there. The reason why the Dead Sea, I mean, come on guys, it's called the Dead Sea. How amazing is that? Not the alive sea. It's not like um, Greenland that's full of ice and Iceland that's, that's green. I think that's the way it is. The, the Vikings, I think, tried to trick you or whatever it was. I don't know, something like that. I have to watch more Viking movies. But here it is. The Dead Sea. It's dead because there's no outlet. It's dead because it's not flowing out anywhere. There's no channels. That's, 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 it's being poured into and it's holding and it's hoarding everything. But yet from that sea, none of it is coming out. It's not touching any other body of water. So everything in that, it just becomes contaminated. It's just, it's just not a good place to be at for so long. And that's what it is. And I'm not saying that's any of you at all. They never get the understanding that that's what I'm calling you. I'm never calling you guys anything like the Dead Sea. I'm just letting you know that there are people that say, hey, I'm living it to the fullest. But what about the outlet? What about the pouring out? Verse 13, John chapter 4, same passage. He says, whoever drinks of this water, as he tells the woman, she's drinking out of this water. Guess what's going to happen a little bit? You're going to thirst again, Jesus tells her. You're going to thirst again, verse 14. But whoever drinks of the water, come on, church, please listen to this. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst again. But the water that I I shall give this person, look what he tells them, will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Another translation, like bubbling springs begin to come out. Watch this stuff start to bubble. It just starts, you see the bubbles? Why are there bubbles in this? Why are there, you see the bubbles? Yes or no? Can you see from where you're at? You drive me crazy. You guys are driving me crazy. Answer me. Did you see the bubbles? No. I know, but my wife is here, and I wet the floor. It becomes problematic, Tito. All right, guys, watch this. Watch the bubbles. Please pay attention. So whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become a fountain of living water springing, springing or bubbling up into eternal life. Watch this. There's bubbling water in this vessel. I hope you can see it. Betsy, please tell me you see it. Amen. There's a God. Why is it bubbling? Why is it bubbling? The reason why the vessel has bubbling going on inside of them is because there's a constant flow. They're constantly being poured into. So watch this. When there's no pouring, there's no bubbles. But when there's a pouring into, 
There's bubbles. You're springing forth. You're bubbling forth. Living water. You're contaminating the world with new life in Jesus Christ. Come on. This is what we're called to be. So you've been told your whole life, hey, never hold. What? More than you can handle. And the Lord says, well, guess what? I'm going to come at you different than Abuelita. I'm not telling you to never hold more than you can handle. The Lord tells you today, I want you. And here's the message. Here's the title. Here it is. This is the word today. Always, always, always hold more than you can handle. Always. Never stop holding more than you can handle. Let it come out of you and let it be bubbling springs of fresh water touching everyone that you do life with. Have you experienced resurrection? If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about bubbles bubbling up inside of you. That is springing forth into eternal life. Whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst, but will bubble up. You were here last week. Maybe you weren't. Maybe you need to catch it. And I ask, have you had resurrection? Do you have resurrection? And the question of all questions is this. So do we live with Christianity? Do we live just with Jesus? I wish I could have filled this thing back up with water. If I had a fountain here or something like that, but... Do we just live with Jesus, pretend it's full of water? Do we just live with Jesus bottled up? Um, do we, yeah, Christianity bottled up? Jesus, uh, everything's good, all is well. It's just bottled up. Here it is. It's nice and secure. My Christianity is nice and secure. You go tell Peter who, who they had to hang upside down if his Christianity was nice and secure. You go tell Thomas who has said that took the gospel to India and they speared him to the side if his gospel was just nice and secure. You go tell all these men and women and all these people still throughout the whole world that are willing to die for the waters that are bubbling up inside of them if it's okay just to live nice and secure with my Christ and my Christianity or if I'm called to be radical, different, transformed where I'm not just bottled up but I'm living and springs of living water are coming out of me. It all depends who you ask. Do we live with Jesus flowing out? Come on, you want a lively church? A lively church? It's all about how you define what a lively church looks like. You may think you found a lively church, but then you look close and maybe there was no bubbles springing up. You want a lively church? You want a lively family? Begin to have life abundantly. Rizzo is the best. Let's see, I might stop, but just in case. <laughs> Rizzo is bubbling forth. <laughs> it's one of those Sundays. All right. Amen. I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap this up. A lively church, a lively family, a life that is abundant. And we begin to allow the Lord to do that. Give us life, Lord. But not just life, Zoe. Give us life abundantly. If not, listen, please, because I'm coming to an end here. If not, it's just staged. If not, it's just fabricated. It appears to look alive. It, it, it looks good. It sounds fun. I heard someone say this weekend, church is a party. It is. But, but. You hear us say it all the time, church is to have fun. It is. But when you get close, the question is, is water flowing? Is water flowing? Is their life abundant? So the saying that has been mentioned and the saying that is even mentioned in songs, never carry more than you could hold. Today we say the opposite. And today's message is titled, You always carry more than what you can hold. So it's pouring out. Always. How many of you could say, yes, Lord? Stupidity, immaturity, all these things have to end. So this is what I think is going to happen to us here at Ernest. I hope you could come on a journey with me.
I believe next week, I'm, I'm like 99.9, so there's that 0, 0 point whatever, 1% that it might not happen, but most likely next week, next week, next Sunday, we're going to start a series through the book of Colossians. We're just going to read, we're going to read through the text, we're going to see what the Lord wants to speak to us through the book of Colossians. And this is why it drew me to do this. In Colossians chapter 3, I'm just going to read a few verses a few 17 verses or something like that. Just, you know what, actually you can stand with me because I'm done after I read this. I think I'm done, but. Check this out, just let me get your attention. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 17. I want you to catch, um, I want you to catch living life to the fullest and then I want you to catch living life overflowing in abundance. It says, since you have been raised to new life, last week we all resurrected. We celebrated resurrection. We sang resurrection songs. So, Paul says, since you've been raised to new life, since you've experienced resurrection with Christ, look what he says. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Do you see the difference? Oh, by the way, I don't know if I said this already. I'll get more into this next week. But this is a church he's writing to. It's the church of Colossiates. He's writing to them. Look what he's telling them. Remember the church of Corinth? Look what he's telling them. That your sights, maturity, overflowing, that your sights would be on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you'll share in all of its glory. You'll, you'll share. You'll, you see that? You'll overflow. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. I'm living life to the fullest. Don't live life to the fullest. Because of these sins, the anger of God is calming you. Used to do these things when your life was still part of the world. But now is the time to get rid of anger rage malicious behavior slander dirty language come on how many of you need to be confronted with this word today it's talking to me nowhere there is a comment says with a little bit of justification because God knows your true heart with a little bit of you know of the world because God knows that you really nowhere does Paul give any any room for that he, he's really talking at the heart of the church and he says this Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all of the wicked deeds. Put on, everyone say put on, love that. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and that you become like him. In this new life, in this resurrection, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew, Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. In layman's term, black, white, green, yellow, red, Cuban, Puerto Rican, American, whether you have a Trump or a Biden sign. Doesn't matter. He's pointing, he's talking at deeper and weightier things. Not foolish earthly things. That's dumb. I don't have time for dumb things, God says. I want to get into deeper things. And he says this. Christ is all that matters. My father, I wish he was here. He's doing something today. He's excited. He, he put a, a big flag outside his house. You guys have to see it. I wish I had a picture of it. Next Sunday, I'm going to show it. I think it has the... I think it has an American flag, but it's Jesus. and He's there. And he's like holding the burden of a... And it's so cool because 
it represents something that I hope he gets it. That Christ is all that matters. So the standard in front of his house is actually the picture of Jesus. You know, it's, it's the image of what Christ is. And I feel like it's the same thing with us. Let's keep reading. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must continue talking about clothing yourself. Clothe yourself. Here's what you should wear. Ready? Here's what a person that's overflowing looks like. Clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Did you hear that? Look, look what it says next. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. This is the church amongst the church. But you know, we're, we're, so, we're so like, we're so street that God forbid if anyone ever crosses us. Because guess what? You cross me, I'm never going to. That's not what scripture says. Scripture says, make room for each other's faults. Overflow. I want to win. I want to, why am I doing this? Because I want to win our families. I want to win this town. I want to win. If you get close to me, you'll see. And my wife sometimes like, Rico, calm down. Like, I know you want to do that, but let's focus first on what God wants you to do in 2022. But like, there's things that I want to do even that belongs to Nest, that's outside. And there's so much going on in me. But the only way that Nest and us together as a family that we get there is if this overflowing truth of God is happening in us. If we if we're really overflowing with these things and we're really focused on the weightier matters and we're really growing in immature things because life is overflowing, life is abundance. Are you guys seeing this? Because I've received resurrection. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, again, clothe yourself, he tells you, with love. Look what you're supposed to have, church, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ, let it rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace and always be thankful. Come on, let the message about Christ and all of its richness, let it fill your lives. Teach, counsel each other with wisdom that he gives, church. Sing psalms and sing hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say do it as an ambassador as a representative of the lord jesus giving thanks through him to god the father this is who we're called to be it's right here man It's written not just in mine, but if you look at your Bible, it's written in yours too. It's there. So what do we want? I want you to really examine your, yourself right now. What do you want? What do you really want? Like, what do you want? You want this? person that's standing next to you, trust me, they want this from you. And trust me, you want this from them. And you want this from this church. And you want this from, from doing family here. And you want this from the Lord. You want Him just to overflow in you. And I believe deep down inside, every single one of you, you want this for yourself. You don't want to just live life to the fullest. You want to live life in abundance. Life abundantly I believe that that's what God is calling this church to come on how many of you would cheers to this and say that's exactly that's exactly what God is so again I ask what do you want so to end I start <clears throat> exactly I mean I sorry to end I will end it exactly where I started 
And where did I start? John chapter 12, verse 9. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man that Jesus had raised from the dead, verse 11. For it was because of Lazarus that many of the people had deserted them and they began to believe in Jesus. So here it is, ready? I want to walk with Jesus. We should want to walk with Jesus. When people saw Lazarus, come on, when people saw Lazarus, they saw Jesus pouring out of him and it became a problem. When people see you, may they see Jesus. Each day that Lazarus lives gives evidence of Jesus. Each day that you live should give evidence of Jesus. Is this what Nest Church wants? Is this what you want for yourself, for this church, for this family, for your family, for your, for your friends? Is this what we are going to come to agreement and say, this is what I desire, that because of many people, that because of this, because I'm overflowing, many people will desert their old ways and they will begin to live in Jesus because I'm overflowing. Church, I'm here to tell you, I'm done. Here it is. Always, always carry more than you can hold. Let it be abundant in your life and let it trickle, let it pour, let it minister to every person that you do life with. That's what he's called you to. That's what he's called you to. To life, but life abundantly. How many of you can worship the Lord with me? How many of you can praise the Lord and say today, I give my life abundantly.